Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 8 of season 2 of the Third Kid Podcast. My name, of course, is Tristan Amol, and alongside me today, as always, is friend and colleague and uh, just all-around great person. For the last <laughs> time in 2018, Alex Perez, how are you doing, man? I've been doing great since <laughs> the semester ended, actually. Um yeah, Tristan and I are, are Concordia University students, and now with finals over and the holidays, you know, we're, we're what, halfway through the holidays now? Merry belated Christmas, actually, by the way, to our listeners. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's been a relaxing holiday, so, uh, but it's good to get back on the podcast and, and, and talk about soccer again, because I've been, uh, I've been itching to, uh, to get that going again. As all of you are probably wondering, the coffee of choice today is uh, the Clever Dripper. It's, it's one of the, one of the, um, Things that I have in my house that we didn't try yet. One of the many coffee things that you have. And it's it's very it's ve- it's a very nice and calm way to do coffee. You just have to boil water and like grind a, a, a number of a number of uh, there's a there's a little card that's as big as like I don't know like just a t- it's a tiny little card that just like gives you the five steps that you need to do. It's, su- it's super easy and fun. I feel like the process of making coffee is a lot better than drinking the coffee itself but yeah <laughs> i don't know i just like both but uh anyways uh on to actual soccer talk so today is probably just going to be as uh, as alex was mentioning um we were off for a month and uh we missed a lot of stuff and we still wanted to talk about it so we are going to talk about it yeah um the i think one of the most pressing things we were we're both in uh, in montreal so um a few days ago, actually, um, yeah, it was like two days ago. I want to say, I feel yeah, um, it was recently. So it, really there recent. were the, rumors were in the air that Laurent Simon was going to be back in MLS, and rumors were that he was going to join Toronto FC, and it finally happened. He uh, went through the allocation process, and Laurent Simon is a red. It's, it's so weird. Well, it's weird. It's really uh, we, weird. Because I know a lot of people in Ontario listen to our show. So the um, the opinion will be different. Um, I know for a fact that um, the, the the Reds really were looking for a uh, a, a replacement uh, in terms of, uh, of uh, leadership and, and those types of qualities since uh, Stephen Betashore um left a club or left a club or, or is still out of contract and he's still unsure whether he's going to sign. Um, but yeah, having Laurent Simon there and just in terms of leadership qualities uh, is, is just a tremendous ad for Toronto FC. Now that being said, uh, on Twitter, uh, especially if you're in Montreal, uh, things were getting a little heated. Yeah. I've, <laughs> Unsurprisingly, right, with, with I mean, obviously Montreal-Toronto with that rivalry. Um, yeah, things got a little heated, a lot maybe, um, uh, but yeah, I feel that that might be a little unwarranted um, if I'm going to be advocating for Laurent Simon right now. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, I mean, Laurent Simon, you... you you can't talk about Laurent Simon um, only on on the sporting side of things. You there is always going to be the uh, the factor of of uh, Laurent's uh, Laurent's daughter, who um, who is autistic and who needs 
very special care. Uh, and that's why he signed in Montreal. There is no doubt in anyone's minds about that. And Canada just happens to be one of the best countries in the world for this. Now, why did he go to uh, France? Why did he go back to France? That's, you know, that's just a different, it's a different talking point altogether. However, um, it is kind of cool to, to have seen that uh, Dijon, despite him not having the greatest of seasons, um, decided uh, to, to, uh, to negotiate a contract, um, exp- one of those things that, where you tear up the contracts, and then he comes back to Canada where, um, let's face it, the cares are much better. Um, yeah. I think above, above everything else, we should probably talk about that. Um, now, yeah, he's going to get booed. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, but again, I think, and you brought up a lot of good points on the personal side of him as well, but I guess like on the professional side and on and on the soccer side of things, obviously fans are not going to be happy about, Montreal fans specifically aren't going to be happy about Simon going to Toronto, but at the same time, um, he, he didn't even want to be uh, traded away from the Montreal Impact when he had to leave. So that's another point to bring up. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he was he was genuinely shocked when he heard the news about his trade. It was a trade, right? Yeah, so he was traded. Was trade he was traded for to LFC for Yuka Raitala and uh, Raheem Edwards. Yeah, and uh, yeah, no, I mean, just the entire the the entire uh, process. I mean, it was it was for months. People were pissed at the impact for that. Um, I mean, and and. I don't know. I mean, there's not much to say about yeah. this. And then when, when finally, when Simon came back, uh, I had I had the privilege of, of speaking to him after the game, and just the 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 it, you know in the article I wrote, it was basically just I had never ever ever seen an away goal so celebrated in the history. And I've been to a bunch of Impact games. I I mean, I'm not I'm not the the guy who's been to the most impact games of all time, but I've been to a few and I had never seen that ever in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the, every time he'll get the ball, he will get booed. He will get, he will get hate. Now, th- does that mean that people don't respect the fact that he's here because uh, he's, he has good intentions? Not necessarily. Um, that said, uh, what it was very harsh. I'll, uh, I will name uh, the, the the supporters group 1642, who literally sold uh, a banner, <laughs> and funny enough, they signed they they sold that banner to Bakary Sumare, who, um, if you don't know the history with Bakary Sumare and the Montreal Impact, it's probably because you're not from Montreal. So uh, let let's just put it to, let's just put it this way. Um, Baki Sumari and the Impact ended their relationship in a very rocky way. And um, it's a thing that uh, even to this day, um, Baki tweets about from time to time. Even though he's been retired and left the club for, I want to say, four, four years. But yeah, so it was it was a bit ironic. It was a bit funny. I, I, I found it quite funny. Yeah, that's um, but No, it's good. But yeah, so... I I honestly hope Simon doesn't get booed, which is probably going to be inevitable. But I hope he gets a good reception. He he was a good servant to the Montreal Impact. He's he's worn the armband on some occasions as well. Um, 
you know, he scored good goals for them. He scored big goals for them. Um, and like and like we said, he was someone who, you know, genuinely didn't just he didn't want to leave the club. And he was obviously quite shocked at this at that situation. Um, I'm personally glad to see him back in MLS. I'm glad to see him back in Canada. Um, I'm I mean MLS is not my favorite league, although I do support the North American game and the Canadian game. And but like, I'm not really into that rivalry as much as you know those diehard Montreal fans are. But you know, I hope the best for him. Uh, I think Toronto FC got a really good center back, uh, and especially. Um, you know, obviously getting an experienced defender is something they needed after this season. It was about, you know, I'm looking at the table from last season now and it's, you know, 64 goals against. Oh, Toronto FC were, you know, were, it was, it was a bad, bad talk year. about a hangover <laughs> from the season before. Yeah, I think, and, you know, and like, to, to go into Toronto FC a little bit, um, to, um, to, uh, make our TFC fan listeners happy, uh, a little bit is, I think they wouldn't have had that hangover had they had won the Champions League. I really, truly think that this Champions League, um, and if you depict, because I don't know if you watched that that oh, final. No, I watched it. I watched um, it. Yeah. I I would write an entire third, like a little thirty for thirty little documentary on just the penalty shootout. That shootout just, and I'm sorry to cut you off. When you talk about the hangover and, and, and how that Champions League affected him, that shootout specifically, like, you could just tell they were broken. Yeah, so to me, and I try to be as impartial as I can be, um, but, I mean, I, I wasn't necessarily cheering for Toronto FC. I'll, I'll put that on the forefront. I'll just, I'll, I'll just say it. That's full disclosure. However, when I, had, when I saw Jonathan Osorio come up, and take that penalty, I was like, please, for the entire country of Canada, please do not miss this penalty. And unfortunately, he missed it. And I think it's from there. From there, Toronto FC thought they had lost it. Because if you look at Michael Bradley's penalty, it feels like he's half-assing it, which is very disappointing at probably the biggest stage you can have in this continent um, which is, the, which is, I mean, and, I'm, and of course, like if you're a TFC fan and you strongly disagree, um, that's totally fair. That's just my opinion of it. Um, but I think from then it was, it was very, uh, it was, it, it was kind of downhill from, from there after Osorio, but, um, on the sporting side and coming back to Laurent Simon, um, it'll be very interesting to see what he is going to bring because, um, when he was at LAFC, I mean, we know Laurent Simon's a good defender, um, however, he, the difference between LAFC Laurent and Impact Laurent is that both of them really committed to getting the ball back. However, Impact Laurent like Defender of the Year Impact Laurent and like late Impact Laurent were completely different in the sense that when Laurent committed to, to, to making a challenge, to getting the ball back, he got the ball. Whereas later in his impact tenure, uh, for some reason, maybe some maybe some players um, gauged him. They they uh, they knew of they knew about him from maybe doing video sessions and such, and he wasn't as as effective. And more more often than not, put his team in trouble, uh, which is a lot of what we saw LAFC as well. So 
what kind of Laurent Simon are we going to see in Toronto? Is he going to be a little more patient? I feel like he could... He's a very fiery individual. I mean, I feel like, I feel like we all know uh, how fiery Laurent Simon can get. Now, with the experience of everything that happened in the past three, four years, will he be able to like slow things down a little bit and uh, accept that he won't necessarily win all of those challenges, especially those fiery ones that we know of him? Because um, especially when you're a center back, there's not a lot of people when you miss that challenge if you miss it. Yeah. It's, it's the keeper. Yeah. And I think, at, you know, he's, he's 33 years old right now. And, you know, already you could tell by this, um, by this transfer trade uh, by Toronto FC, it's, you're, you're getting him for pure experience and you're getting him um, because of the experience that he's gained in MLS already in the past few years. He's played in Europe as well. Um, so he's there for experience. He's there to be heard by the players. Um, he's going to be a leader on the team. He's going to be someone that the younger players are going to look up to as well. But most importantly, it's going to be the experience that he's going to bring to that back line. Because like I said before, obviously 64 goals against, um, those are staggering numbers. They conceded more than they scored last season. Um, so if Laurent Simon can come in, um, help shore up the back line, he might not be perfect defensively, but if he can be a leader, if he could be a voice on the field, that's what Toronto FC are going to need. Absolutely. And um, it, it, it was it was a bad year for Alex Bono as well, who um, Alex Bono, I think, is one of the best goalies in this league. Uh, we didn't see it much last season. Uh, obviously, Zach Steffen was lights out. Uh, Brad Guzan was really, really good too. Uh, Evan Bush was great. But I think uh, Alex Bono in 2019 is going to... Um, get back to the level he... I think everybody knows the level he can bring. And he's still very young. And uh, I still think he's he's up there in terms of American keepers uh, with, with Steph and with Guzan. So um, if, uh, if, if an experienced center back like Simon can come in and uh, kind of calm everybody down, uh, I think uh, that definitely brings Toronto FC to the potential that everybody knows Toronto FC can, can do, right? Toronto FC... Uh, is always that team that's going to contend, always that team that's going to want to win the MLS Cup every year. So um, so they're back there. It's going to be interesting to see what else Toronto FC changes. Um, if there's any changes up top, if there's, uh, you know, they've, they've signed uh, Jonathan Osorio to a big contract. So what is going to happen with TFC? Um, which is rare we talk about TFC, but uh, <laughs> it's definitely, I mean, it, we, talk about, we talk about all of soccer. So, yeah. you know, definitely... Uh, it was definitely a welcome, uh, welcome talk. Um, do we want to talk a little bit about um, Ottawa? Yeah. To to cap yeah, we, off on the yeah, we could we could talk about it. I mean, Ottawa. Wow. Um, it's a huge thing to sum up in a few minutes. But uh, since everybody talked about it already, uh, and this is kind of like a "What did we miss? Let's talk about it" type podcast. Yeah. Um, let's just sum up like that little Canadian segment, um, and then maybe yeah. move on to other stuff. Um, so it was funny. I was actually, <laughs> when, when that news, when the news came up about Ottawa, um, I, actually, do you want to explain it first? And then I'll, I guess I'll give my yeah, reaction so, to when I, so CONCACAF, CONCACAF sent a letter to the Ottawa Fury saying that they would not be sanctioned to play in the USL, uh, for 2019 because the Canadian Premier League was there. Um, and then everybody, reacted in either one way or the other 
And then the Fury uh, went to the um, the uh, arbitrary court for sport and um, said that they would lose a bunch of stuff if they wouldn't play in the USL. So um, they reviewed it, and um, the Fury are sanctioned for 2019. Now it's 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 going to be a uh, an interesting thing to see uh, what happens in 2020. But we do know that for now, the Fury are playing in the USL for in USL Championship because they changed their name now. So they're going to play in the USL Championship in 2019. Uh, and uh, everything is, um, is at level pegging for now. So I think we were both studying for exams when this news <laughs> yeah. popped. Yeah. And it was very... It, it was a... It was a... <laughs> how can I say? It was a very... Uh, tough news to keep up with because so many opinions pieces and so many uh i mean twitter was just going crazy uh everybody was either supporting ottawa or critiquing them or screaming at them with the to the top of their lungs and um i'll be honest we we um we at at the circuit have, have um had significant Uh, episodes about the Canadian Premier League. I think we both support the Canadian Premier League to a certain extent. So uh, having that news, and I think we also support the Ottawa Fury. I think yeah. we, 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 we both really like the Ottawa Fury and for what they do and what they represent. And having we're both big fans of Nikola Popovich. Um, and it was it was weird. I really was between a rock and a hard place here. In that situation, at least for my my proper opinions. Yeah, I think I was just genuinely like when I saw the news, and obviously there was there was whispers about the eighth team in the CPL, and we we've spoken about this before, um, you know, and obviously Ottawa want to stick with USL because, you know, the Canadian Premier League, their first season, they weren't sure how it's going to go, um, and obviously in my in my eyes, that was that was a smart move by them. They're an experienced team, you know, they don't want to jump the gun and join. Uh, a league on its first year and they want to continue in USL which to me is fine I think that situation of not allowing Ottawa to play in USL uh, at first really puts a dagger into that um, on whether they're going to eventually join CPL I think that might have turned them off I, and that's, that's, that's and, very unfortunate and I don't think and that wasn't a good way to go about it if you and you know obviously the Canadian Premier League they want to be their own thing they want to do their thing and They want as many Canadian teams in their in their inaugural year in their inaugural year as possible, but to do that to a team to essentially force their hand to twist their wrist and to you know sanction them from USL and to try and push them into the CPL that's not the way to go about it. And it was even revealed in the Athletic article that was um, that Josh Cloke or Josh Cloke or Paul Tenorio. Paul Tenorio. Paul Tenorio wrote that. In the Athletic article, it was even revealed that Fury has an agreement with USL, and if they want to go to CPL, the United Soccer League will say, no problem, give us 12 months notice, and that's it. But that was like not even six months. That's that. I feel like that's the overarching point. Yeah. Where, you know, you have... Um, I don't know. The, I don't know. It wasn't... It, like, you can't just force a team when there's they're scheduling like the usl had just like they were in the process of revealing their schedule yeah like that's the and that's the thing not to mention that the team is 
in the middle of preparing their roster and preparing the team um, for that season. So I, I'm glad that everything was kind of, you know, fixed in a way in, in the last few weeks or in the last week or so. I think now that, um, you know, it was, it was recently revealed that they'll stay in USL, but the whole situation to me just, you know, you want wanna, you want one of Canada's top teams to join a new league, but you kind of just botched it. Honestly, I think every league needs to have a str- in the world needs to have a strong team in their capital city. The the Fury are a strong team in Canada's capital city, and uh, at some point, I mean, in my mind, at some point, we're going to see the the Fury in in the in the Canadian Premier League. The problem is, I don't know if it's it's not going to be in 2019. We know. I don't know if it's going to be in 2020, maybe in 2021, but regardless, um, it would be a shame if the Fury didn't play Canadian Premier League, um, Canadian Premier League soccer, at least in the next three years. Um, but that's the thing, right? So it's it's about um, are the are the players that are already on the roster eligible to play? Uh, do they fit within the the contract setup? Can you grandfather in any contracts? Because you know, like it's not like all of the pre- all of the teams in the Premier League that are just starting to build their own rosters and they had zero players from the get go. The Fury had their players. You know, there's so many players that played for the Fury. Um, they what do they do? Do they have to s- rip up their contracts and sign new ones? Does that mean that they have that they have to have pay cuts? Um, th- th- does the front office have to sign new contracts? Like that's. That's not a couple of things you could you could flourish in like on a on the corner of a coffee table in a month or two. That's like things that take a long time. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, you know, I wish the Canadian Premier League the best, and I think everybody listening and you, Alex, knows that. Um, but you need to give a team time, especially a team that's already built. You know, when when MLS ha- adds expansion teams. Um, those teams have at least a year and a half to two years to think of their things and to, to figure things out um, if they're starting from scratch. So, you know, like Nashville already signed their director of soccer um, and they're only playing in 2020. So, you know, you got to give them time. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, I guess I'm just overall, I'm 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 happy that it's kind of went into Ottawa's favor in the last week, um, but I'm just I, I'm I'm worried, and I and I know that you know you're confident that they might jump to CPL eventually. I'm just worried that it's not going to happen anytime soon because of the situation. I mean, there's things can things can be mended. I, yeah, I, for sure. I think I I do, I do believe that things could be mended. It's just. It wasn't a good, it was, this wasn't just it wasn't a good way to go about it. No, no. And look, uh, if you if you ask me in any other situation, uh, if a te- if a uh, if a country has a, a league that's good enough, you should play in that league. Now, um, and that that the overarching question after the Fury is when are when will the conversation apply to Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal? Uh, now, I don't know. Will it ever happen? I'm not sure. Um, do I think that the impact 
could end up playing Canadian Premier League ball in like 2030, 2038, so in or th- 2039, so in, in 20 years, not impossible. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that happening. I would love to see that happen, actually. I don't know. If the CPL, I guess, um, you know, starts on a positive note and can just rise throughout the through the next few years, but it's it's a wait and see what happens type of deal. But could we have a situation like Wales where uh, there's a full-fledged league and then you got Swansea and Cardiff playing in another country? That's also possible. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So I think on that note, I mean, uh, do we want to talk a little bit about the Premier League uh, I later? Would, I would the, love the to Canadian talk about the Canadian Premier League. League oh, the Canadian just, Premier League? And then, well, I know we're going to talk about the Premier League. Yeah. But do we go back and talk about the, the CPL? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. We'll like we'll like uh, hop from uh, from uh, one side of the pond to the other. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to take a break and uh, we're going to talk about the English Premier League. Uh, we're going to hop. It's the first time we ever hop on the other side of the pond. Which is which is a thing that we used to do in season one. Yeah. So uh, don't don't get all scared and stuff, because that's what we used to do that before. So um, so yeah, we're going to take a small break, and uh, we're gonna come back and uh, talk about Boxing Day happened, uh, Hoodman Son happened. Like God damn it, like this guy's crazy. But uh, let's keep all of that, and uh, and uh, we'll be back. We are back here on the third kit episode eight of season two and uh, yeah so if you weren't there in season one um we started this whole thing started on boxing day where uh we used to uh kind of just uh do a little rundown of the boxing day games that happened um was it three years ago two years ago about three years ago about three years ago yeah uh we kind of missed the mark for uh, for boxing day But um, there's a lot of stuff, and uh, we're recording this before Boxing Day and the match day that's most possibly going to either happen or have happened uh, by the time you listen to this. So as of now, Liverpool is atop the table. If they lose against Arsenal, they're still going to be atop the table. Yeah, if they lose, they still have a three-point cushion So um, from second place. So... Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, uh, Alex is a Liverpool fan. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you're probably the happiest man in the world right now. I'm trying to keep it to a minimum because of past heartbreaks <laughs> in the last four years. But yeah, no, it's um, it's been a fun season to watch. Um, to watch Liverpool, they've been lights out. And I'm trying to find the words, but... This is probably the most exciting um, red squad that I've seen uh, since I started really watching soccer and paying attention to Liverpool when I became a fan in 07, actually, when Fernando Torres made his transfer there. Um, yeah, at the time, I was a huge yeah, Torres you, fan. You started being a Liverpool fan at a time where Liverpool were not that good. They were good for like two seasons. And then after that, it was just like almost a decade of, of just bad teams. Roy Hodgson, 
uh, I mean, Kenny Dalglish. Kenny was Dalglish cool. was kind of, was a cool thing, you know. It was like you know, bring the king back, bring a legend back to the team, you know, have a former Red coach the Reds, and it was it was it was nice. Um, ultimately, though, on the long term, it wasn't a great idea, but it was good. He he was the last manager to win a cup for Liverpool in 2011. Yeah, they won the FA Cup. They right? won the, the cup? Carling Cup. Yeah, at the, the time it was the cup. Carling Cup. Now, now it's, it's the, the Carabao. Carabao Cup. Yeah. So he was actually the last Liverpool Can, manager we, to win a trophy. Do we even know what Carabao is? Is that like it's an energy a, drink or whatever? It's a beer, I think. It's a beer? Yeah, they they always name it after a beer, I think. It, okay. Last year it was something else. But it's considered the League Cup. And then they have the FA Cup. And then, I don't know, English soccer just has too many cups to the go John around. The Stones paid trophy. You know? <laughs> I'd probably, it's probably not called that anymore. No, I don't think so. Oh, isn't it like check a trade? Anyways, I'm but, sorry um, I cut you off. No, it's okay. Um, but yeah, no, obviously they've been they've been a great team. Uh, and Jurgen Klopp in the last uh, three to four years has it's kind it's funny because every time I talk about the Premier League and then Liverpool comes up, it's like you know two years ago we Liverpool was not even in the conversation of being one of the best clubs in the world. Now. You can argue that. I mean, Champions League runner-ups. Um, were they were they runner-ups last year too, or was that Spurs? They were. They made fourth in fourth. the prim, in the okay, Premier League. So they won the Arsenal Trophy last year. <laughs> yeah. Um, and now they're they're atop the league with more than three points to spare, which yeah, which is like not even like it's it's um, you know they're 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 proper the, good. No, they're they're they're, they're good. good. Like you can argue that. You know, if it wasn't for Barcelona, if it wasn't for Juventus, you, you can argue that this is you can argue them being the top team in the world easily. I think so. And in the and the way they play soccer reminds me of um you can actually correct me if I might be exaggerating here, but I think that the Gagan pressing style is the effectiveness of that style of play that Klopp brings Are reminds gonna- me of when Pep came in in 08 and brought in that tiki taka style, and it was Ooh. so hard to stop. And that's, that re- that's high. It's praise. high. It's high praise. Um, you can correct me though, but I think that the style of play and with the team that he finally brought, um, with the defense that he, he put the money in and bringing Virgil Van Dyke. And putting his trust into someone like Trent Alexander-Arnold, who's I'll be been honest, a man. top right back. But. I'll be honest, Alex. Uh, I think uh, I think Jurgen Klopp and the uh, the Liverpool front office have had the most intelligent spending. Yeah. In the sense that they're not throwing was it thirty million for Olivier Giroud, which is like something like, like that. Like I, like they they have they 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 went for Alison Becker who. Is one the most expensive goalie in the world? Um, second, it oh, was second because, to Keppa. Um, yeah, Keppa. Keppa from uh, from Chelsea. Keppa I'm Chelsea. not even gonna try pronouncing his last name. But but uh, Keppa <laughs> says the Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. So and then they have Virgil Van Dijk, the um, the most expensive defender in the world. Yeah. And like you could you could argue that this is this isn't intelligent spending. However, they went and spent the money at the in the areas where they truly needed it. And yeah. that's not always a thing. And you could look at Manchester City and they keep spending money on attacking midfielders and you're like, why another one? What, like why would you add Rian Myers on top of everything else? It's not necessary. And then you go to Liverpool and they they go and get players that um 
one are filling necessary positions and uh on the other on the other hand uh when they do bring uh people to um to fill their bench uh for once they've all been playing really well um like Fabinho scored on Boxing Day uh Jerdan Shakiri uh, it seems like the bargain of the year and then um you have and then you have everyone on 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 the um, on the upper hand on on, uh, on offense except for maybe Firmino who maybe doesn't really score as much as uh, as as people want him to but then you have Mo Salah and uh, and then everything's okay right yeah and i think that intelligent spending also comes with the fact that you know Klopp doesn't want to go in on his first season and splash the cash and bring in a whole new 23 player squad i like the fact that he came in he said this is a squad i'm going to work with i'll bring in a few players here and there in the off season and that's it. I like the fact that he didn't bring a whole new recruitment, change everything, and prolong the transition period, which I think that's where Manchester United might have fallen off, where you know they hired, what, three, three coaches, four coaches now since Alex Ferguson left. They spent $300 million on like a whole new team. And the it's hangover just, it's, is real. <laughs> and the hang, yeah, for, for sure. And, you know, it's, and it's really hard to get a successful team when you're constantly bringing in new players at you know transfer window after transfer window and you're expecting them to get the system right away and I think with Klopp he has his squad and he puts his faith in players and he wants to improve the players that he already has and then after a season after a season or two he says okay I assessed my midfield I assessed my defense in the summertime I'm going to go get Naby Keita I'm going to get Virgil van Dijk for center back you know, he he looks at what he already has. He takes a season. He takes maybe six months to look at his options and to see whether or not the players can get better under him because he likes to give that chance. And obviously, as a former player himself, he wasn't the best. He played at Mainz. He played second division. He played in the Bundesliga. He, you know, he wasn't the best player, but he was someone that wanted his chance and he wants to give the chance as well to the players that he has. And it's paid off. You know, if you look at Trent Alexander-Arnold, a 19-year-old who came in, you know, who is this player? He came in, he made his full debut against Manchester United like three years ago, struggled, but now comes in and, you know, he's one of the top 10, you know, right backs in the league. You know, someone like Andrew Robertson, 88.5 million from Hull City, I believe it was. Everybody's asking who this player is. Now you can argue either him or Marcos Alonso as the best left back in the league. I'll so, bring back I'll yeah. bring back Jordan Shakiri oh. uh, to to add to that pile because Jordan Shakiri he was uh he was one by, bad signing from completely getting off the map. Yeah. And uh he had he had a good World Cup and then he signed for Liverpool and just oh my goodness. It's it's the Jordan Shakiri I always thought he could be. Yeah, like I, almost I think like he, I think it's always been there for him. It's, it's it's to me it's it's almost to the point where like uh, back back when he was playing at Bayern and he just he was good he just didn't have the roster spot available yeah. to him. Uh, like I don't know he is just he's blowing my mind. Yeah, he's easily he's been one one of my favorite transfers in recent memory. I, the the way he brings the ball up, you know, the power he brings to the field. You know, Klopp style is explosive. Jiren Shakiri is just dynamite. You know, like absolutely. And 
he is completely fine with the role he's playing to a Liverpool as everybody else is. And, you know, I remember Jurgen Klopp saying once in an interview where um, I believe whoever was doing the interview, they said, you know, are you worried about, you know, players complaining about maybe lack of playing time because it seems like you have a, you know, different midfield every game and a different and a different squad every game. You know, not everybody has a cemented starting 11. He said, you know, the future of football's rotation. And if you see every game, you know, he has a different squad, more specifically in the midfield, depending on the opponent he faces. And more specifically on Jordan Shakiri, if you see the way, well, if you, if you pay attention to Jordan Shakiri, he doesn't start every game. And he's fine with that role, but he's going to be the first one on the bench to change the game if need be. Um, but what he brings to the team, you know, he creates the space so well. And, and I remember against Manchester United, I believe it was him who said to Klopp on the bench, you know, like, I'm seeing a lot of spaces and they're leaving us a lot of space on the field. Klopp just said, okay, next change that he made, Jirin Shakiri came on, scored the two winning goals. That's, he's that's been, impressive. He's He's been so impressive this season. Arguably one of the bargain transfers of the year. I want to yeah. say so. I do want to, I, I do agree. Uh, I do agree with that. Um, I, he, I, and that brings me because I mean, Jordan Shakiri uh, very famously played for Stoke city uh, <laughs> and Stoke city. If you followed episode uh, season one of the third kit um, was in my mind, the team that was capable of the best and worst. Now Stoke are not in the Premier league. They're pretty much like, the, they're 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 the new Sunderland. They're almost getting relegated from the championship. It's not looking those very are, well. Those are fighting words. Those Tristan. are fighting words. <laughs> but it's because I've been watching that Netflix series, which is amazing, and you definitely all should watch it. They're making a boring team not boring. It's crazy. However, my question to you is: Who is the new Prem team that is capable of the best and worst? The new. Oh my God! And I, you know what's funny? I I had this in my head, and now I'm forgetting who it is. The new Prem team that's capable of the best and the worst. Wow. So the Prem's been so competitive so this season, though. I'll 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 throw something at you, and I feel like they're just they're they're just too good to be that team, but I think that team is Leicester. Oh, that's good. I could see I could see why. So they could lose to Wolves at home, but yeah. then they could go they can go ahead and beat Man City, like. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a good one. <laughs> I think that's a really good one. Um, and for there's, some reason, there's still a team that's like there, but they're not there. But for some reason, they're Stoke and Leicester are both teams that I like um, for for very different reasons. Um, Leicester, I, I'll be honest, I was on, I was jumping on that bandwagon. I I liked Spurs before because they had players that I liked uh, on the team, um, but. Uh, I mean, it's just you cannot not like the you cannot not like the foxes, yeah. and but the, they're they're kind of just like they're flirting with the top ten a bit. They're always like they're either eleventh or they're mid top ten. Like yeah. right now, they're sitting in seventh because obviously the recent win um, really boosted them up in the table. I would argue the team that's capable of best and the worst. Although I do agree it's Leicester, but I would argue Bournemouth. I agree. I would argue Bournemouth. They've been so impressive this season under Eddie Howe. I think in the last few seasons, they've been really impressive. And Eddie Howe has been, um, you know, he's been a really good manager for them. And, and they have guys like Nathan Ake. They're so good. And like, <laughs> they're, they're so good. Nathan Ake, they have Callum Wilson up front. They have Frazier who puts in really big performances. Yeah. They're they're a good side. But obviously, you know, when they come up, they, they come up against the big teams like Manchester City or Tottenham or Liverpool... 
Yeah. You know, there's it's it's a draw or a loss in my opinion, and obviously yeah. a win would be a huge upset. Um, but yeah, I want to actually transition to another team that's been really impressing me absolutely in the last few weeks, and that's Tottenham. Yeah, I'll I'll be honest for for full disclosure for people listening, uh, I I really I will always like Leicester for everything that they've proven, even though they're not as good. And they have a bunch of players I like, like NDD, James Madison. But uh, the team I used to support, like, when I started watching England is Tottenham. So I'm, I don't know, it's, like, it's so... Second place now. I am, I'm... Unbelievable. So, like, my favorite player in the Premier League right now is, is Hyunmin Son. Hyunmin Son is just ridiculous. When Hyunmin Son is on form... He is just as dangerous as Harry Kane. Yeah, and that's exactly what Spurs needed. That did you see his goal against Chelsea a few weeks back? It it was crazy. It's insane. Like the quality that he is so underrated. I I still think he's a really underrated Premier League player, and I would put him in my Premier League starting eleven any day. Uh, or maybe on like a squad, like he'll come in as a super sub because there is a lot of talent in the Premier League. But I would have him in my squad. No, any day. absolutely, and I think he's he's top ten in the world right now in terms of quality. Uh, he had one of he had such a great twenty eighteen. You know he he was up there in points last year. He had a good World Cup. He won the Asian Cup to avoid military service. For the Korean army, and now he's just... He had a point where he had five goals, five assists in five games. Like, nothing seems to stop him. No, absolutely not. And he could score goals, he can assist, he could dribble past players. You know, you could play him as a forward, you could play him as an attacking mid, you could play him anywhere on a front three. He is so versatile. And he kind of reminds me of Tottenham's version of Roberto Firmino in a way. Where Firmino, you could put him anywhere on the pitch... And he'll still impress. Um, you know, obviously you want someone like him or someone like Hingmin Song to score more goals. But, you know, the control that he brings in the field and the chances that they create, um, you know, kind of reminds me of of Firmino in a way. And, yeah, Hingmin Song, uh, there's nothing else I can really say about him. He's been, he's, he's been immense in the past few weeks. Um, his recent goal, I believe it was against... Um, what was their last win? It was uh was it Boxing Day? It was a Boxing Day win, yeah. But it was one of those it's one of those goals oh, against where, like, Bournemouth. Five nil against Bournemouth. Yeah, five nil against Bournemouth and, at home. You know, we talk about Liverpool in there and how impressive they've been, and on Boxing Day it seems that, you know, they might have stolen the show. Um, but Tottenham five nil against Bournemouth, who, you know, we were just talking about can be a quality team at times. That's a huge result, and no one was really talking about it. And, you know, because it, it for some reason it now seems um, like it's 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 like an everyday like day at the office for for Spurs to just and go and get a result and then you know by by the fortieth minute it's done with you know kind of thing where and and just you know about six months ago they were just getting scrutinized for not buying anybody in the summertime and they had a, the spur I mean the Spurs squad as a whole Pochettino. You know, it's it's no secret that he had a pretty hard summer, not in terms of transfers, but they had Deli Ali at the World Cup, Kieran Trippier at the World Cup, Harry Kane at the World Cup, Sigmund Son at the World Cup, Hugo Lloris at the World Cup. They had a huge they had a huge contingent of players at the World Cup that 
They obviously Wasn't need that break. Lucas at the World Cup too? Lucas, I don't think he got picked up by Brazil actually. But even then, like, that's l- half of their starting 11. Was there. Was there, you know? And to come back, and they had a rocky start to the season. You know, they had four, they have four losses now. But, you know, those are, those are losses that, you know, they, they did face some quality teams at the beginning of the season. But right now, they're title contenders. They're, they're title contenders, and they're and they're kind of under the radar. I I feel they're up there, but I feel like at at this point, uh, and uh, I don't want to I, I don't want to jinx you in any way, but I feel like it's Liverpool's to lose. Like they have that cushion where if they're consistent until May, then it just it's smooth sailing, yeah. because they have like five points. So if they don't fuck it up, then it's gonna it seems like it 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 seems like it's gonna be okay. Um, but yeah, I think if, if someone is going to, uh, to, um, challenge it's, it's going to be Spurs. Uh, but now I'm like fully conscious that they, you know, finished third in a battle with Leicester a few years ago. So yeah. <laughs> when they, but when they kind of had like a clear path to win it. So they're, it, it, but Spurs, they're, they're, they're good. And I like the fact that Pochettino, he, you know, he didn't. Uh, he didn't want to go in and get a bunch of players to improve the side. I think he's really confident with the side he has now, and they're showing it. You know, Erickson is stepping up. Harry Kane is obviously, you know, he does what he does, and that's scoring goals. You know, you still have Deli Ali there, who might not make, you know, that much of the headlines as he did a few seasons ago, but still an effective player. By He's 22 years old. He already has 50 goals for the club. Yep. You know, so the team is putting up good numbers, and... It's going to be, it, it, the title challenge is there, you know, and, and like you said, I think it's going to be Liverpool's to lose, you know, and they do have a six-point cushion, but anything can happen. You know, I think at the beginning of the season, City had maybe five or six points on the table at first, two losses in a row, and it's complete, yeah. completely the opposite. So obviously this Prem season is unpredictable as usual, but I think more so now with with the quality of teams that we're seeing and, you know... Chelsea is another team that at the beginning of the season that you know we thought that could be genuine title genuine title contenders. Unai Emery at Arsenal now, who is a vampire. <laughs> yes, he definitely does look like one. He, I feel like he can be. No, it's a fact. He's a vampire. He, oh, it's I'm a not fact. Telling you. Oh, okay, yeah. perfect. <laughs> Unai Emery is a vampire. Yeah, you hear you heard it here first. Yeah, uh, facts. No, but I think consistency is going to be the way to go. I feel. Yeah. Um, um, so before we end that that segment, uh, you uh, you were mentioning um, players of the year, at yeah. least in the in, in the Premier League. I mean, right now my player of the year, and I'm do you want to go player of the year global or? I would say Prem for now. Okay, I would let's, say let's my my, my player of the year in the of Premier the League. calendar year. Yeah. Um, oh, of the calendar year and not of the season. Oh, do you want to do that? I would I would do the season. Well, we're halfway through the season, I think. Yeah, okay. So we could do like a, you know, so far, right? But, um, and this is me being unbiased right now, but I do genuinely think it's Virgil van Dijk. I, I get why you're saying that. Because ever since he came in in Jan- last January, he's cut the goal difference almost in half. And if you see the numbers that Liverpool put up last season... Um, in terms of goals conceded, I believe at this point in the season, it was almost 20 
or maybe 23, and now it's seven. And also that comes in with also bringing in Allison Becker, who is, in my mind, a big game player. And he'll save Liverpool in the big games, and you saw it against Napoli as well. But I, I truly believe it's Virgil van Dijk. What he's brought to that team, you know, I haven't seen in, in quite some time. And for a defensive player to dazzle that much, for me, it's him. I think he's the player of the season right now. Uh, I didn't watch as many, as much Premier League as uh, as you have. Um, it was, second I, would be Aiden Hazard, I think. I okay, Aiden Hazard. Uh, I mean, in my mind, I I like Mo Salah probably uh, deserves a praise. Harry Kane, he's up there in the goal stands. I think he's like second, second or first. I think Aubameyang is the, maybe the, first. The goal, <laughs> the golden boot race in the Premier League this season too is like a whole other competition in its own now. Yeah, I Harry Kane. Harry Kane probably deserve probably. Uh, you I know, think he had, he had a big year. I this think year Kane too. and Salah are, are tied on goals, but for but it's like one goal below yeah, I think Aubameyang. It would, it would probably have to be between Harry Kane and, and Mo Salah for uh, for similar reasons. They're they're yeah. both uh, they're both. I mean, leading the their their individual teams, and they're both uh, the um, the players that the their teams rely on. Uh, even though Kane has Hermanson, and I guess uh, Mo Salah has uh, has Sane, but uh, I don't know. Or Mane. Uh, Mane, sorry, yeah. Leroy Sane is a city, a city. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I guess, but to to a certain extent, uh, they're both uh, they're both deserved. But I I totally agree with uh, why you're uh, or I understand why you're going with uh, Virgil Van Dyke. Um, do we want to do we want to just hop the hop uh, again? Yeah. the pond again and let's just come back and talk about the Canadian Premier League let's just do it. at because uh, we didn't talk about it so let's just jump right into it oh do we no breaks nothing yeah let's jump right in okay from let's, Premier let's League to Premier right League in. okay so from from PL to PL from two headlines <laughs> so for the people um, listening um, I am a journalist and I hate from two headlines I think they are uh, very um, it's an easy way it's out. an easy stereotypical way of uh of writing little clever headlines and i hate them because there are way too much there are way too many of them to be quite honest so um so the cpl a, a lot of players uh started to sign uh i want to give a shout out to zachary sukunda who um who both of us know through fc fc montreal back in the day um and then he he signed uh he was the first signing of uh hfx wanderers and uh out there in Halifax, and um, he had one of those uh, unconventional paths to, uh, to 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 soccer. He started at FC uh, FC Montreal, and then when FC Montreal um, disbanded, I guess, um, went to Australia. No, he went to Sweden, then went to Australia. had uh, had a good season uh, down in Australia, and uh, now he's back with. Um, I think it's such a great fit because Stephen Hart is um he'll be the first to tell you he loves to build his teams from the back. So he he is uh he's building a he, he is building a back line and then going so having his first signing uh, be uh, Zachary Secunda, you could tell that he is going to be one of those leaders and um I really really enjoy seeing this guy play. He was one of my uh one of the players that I liked the most from uh, FC Montreal. He was not the one that would get the most praise. Obviously, of course, fullbacks never get any praise. 
which, which they, is which, which it, they should which which is Pullbacks. why which is why I give them a lot of praise. Uh, so I was really happy to to know that um, that Zach signed for uh, HFX, and uh, hope he'll have a great season now. Um, of the players that uh, have signed, and I, I guess I'm putting you on the spot. Is there a player that you um, that you were you enjoyed seeing signing, or is there? I mean, I kind of gave away the the Zach Secunda one off the top, but uh, is there a player that you uh, you enjoyed seeing? Um, no. Aside from Secunda, not necessarily. I feel like the the Premier League signed a lot of you know players that we might not know about yet um you know especially for me but um i think it was secunda i think seeing secunda um you know get us signed by uh by hfx was was a big one aside from that you know we we did talk about the draft previously um but no i, th- I think um i think i'll agree with you on on secunda I have a few. I I, I was kind of setting myself up. I feel I like I kind of put you on the spot too. No, but I th- I think to to end that off, um, I'm looking forward to see who's gonna sign from League One and PLSQ. Because I feel that's the next step right now. Because they did the draft, um, behind closed doors, which I'm still kind of like, what you know what I mean? But um, <laughs> but I'm I'm curious to see when the rosters are you know managed and you know they're they're out there and they're done um i'm curious to see on who in the plsq and who in league one ontario um on where and who signed where so that's what i'm going to be most curious about so if you ask me this question when that comes out then i'll have a definitive answer for you so i have a few uh i like um there there's a there's a few that i really like i first off I think one of the most dominant players in the CPL is going to be Cal Becker, uh, who plays for uh, for Forge, and I think the um, the Sigma FC pipeline over at Forge is going to help them tremendously. Um, so yeah, I think in terms of early candidates for MVP, I think Becker gets it. Uh, another one I really liked was uh, Randy Edwini Bonsu in uh, in Edmonton, who. Uh, Played a lot in uh, in Germany, and uh, signed uh, for Edmonton. He played a few try. He played in uh, in a few friendlies for Edmonton. Uh, I really liked uh, Marco Carducci, who signed uh, for uh, Cavalry. He was one of the best young goalies in uh, the Canadian system. Um, he was there. He was he he was up there with uh, with uh, the Crepo and uh, those. Uh, and uh, you know those those keepers in the youth ranks, so uh, it'll be interesting to see him as well. Uh, there's definitely uh, I'm I'm just going through the player tracker and like seeing Nick Ledgerwood signing for Calgary, Calgary as well as uh, former international. I think is going to be interesting to see. Um, and then uh, you know Chris Nanko, uh, Skylar Thomas in uh, in Winnipeg is going to be very interesting because you know Skylar played. Um, in the TFC system, he played NASL, played USL. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting to see what he brings. Um, Cal Porter, is it Cal Porter? Yeah, Cal Porter, who signed for York, is going to be interesting as well. He's a very good player. Um, and then there's, uh, I think, I don't want to say his name wrong because that would make me look very bad. Um, 
Oh yeah, that one of the most interesting players to me is uh, Son Yang Chan, Son Yong Chan, who signed for FC Edmonton, um, and he has the best nickname I've ever seen. His nickname is the Smiling Assassin. I just love it. I mean, I hope, I hope he lives up to that nickname. <laughs> I mean, that would be just the greatest. It's. I mean, to be honest, like that was that made me that made me smile. Be honest to have a to have um, a player named nicknamed the silent the si- the smiling assassin. Um, that to me was just uh, <laughs> it just made me so happy. Oh, and one final one. That's the one I was looking for while I was saying all of that. Is uh, Tyson Farago or Tyson Farago? I guess it's Farago. Um, who was, uh, uh, he signed for uh, Valor FC in Winnipeg, and he, uh, he was uh, at uh, St. Patrick, Patrick's Athletic uh, in, uh, the Premier, in the Ireland Premier Division, who uh, was the starting keeper over there in Ireland, um, left the team and then signed for, uh, for uh, Winnipeg. He's, he's a Winnipegger. He is born, he's born and raised in Winnipeg. And, um, well, I don't know if he's raised in Winnipeg, but he's born in Winnipeg. He's from, he's from there and, um, he's going to be their starting keeper there. It's going to be very interesting. He's 27. So he's still, in, he's still very much in his prime and, um, yeah, can't wait for that, uh, for that to start and see, um, you know, the, the players coming in because the, the squads are already, they're still very bare bones. So it'll be very interesting to see again, those semi-pro players coming up, who else, um, it, seeing that how many internationals the team have the teams have um seeing if seeing what the calendar looks like it's going to be very yeah. interesting coming in uh, april right uh it starts april. in april but it's going to be very About interesting to see in terms of um how the away schedule is going to look like and stuff it's going to be uh, i'm just very curious to see how they go about it yeah and um i guess on that note um and what looks like it's been i get it you know, in regards to CPL, um, aside from players, but it looks like on uh, Alex Bunbury has been pretty active Alex on Bunbury. social media. And Alex he, Bunbury, who was our first guest in the season two. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very true, and uh, he's been on a few other podcasts. I've noticed he's been on a few podcasts. And um, 2020. 2020 seems to be the the the, the date. Uh, I mean, we you got if if you were a listener of uh the first episode of season two you will have heard almost here first that um that alex wanted to bring a team to uh to the greater montreal region uh although he has been more and more vocal about it and about 2020 being the the time which i feel like it's doable however i really wonder if um whatever CPL team of the greater Montreal region will have to play in a temporary stadium because I don't think there's a stadium ready in Laval right now. There's uh, there's the Stade, there's Stade de Jardin where the Montreal trials happened. I don't think that's CPL ready. No, unless, you know, un- un- if they're serious about it and they, they want to do something in Laval and, you know, if they have an investor that says, you know, okay, let's, Let's take Stade des Jardins at five thousand seats. Then it would make sense to me, but um, obviously that seems like it's de- yeah no it's it's definitely not stadium ready. 
Um, and there's nothing really that comes to mind in Laval if there would be a team in that region. I think if you're going to have a temporary stadium, you should play at Claude Rabillard yeah. in, in Unsick, which um, is is in the north of Montreal. It's close-ish to Laval, um, and it's ready. It's it's uh, it's absolutely ready. The only thing that um, was, I mean, FC Montreal played their second season there. The only thing that's not ready is there isn't any uh, any uh, press accommodations. There's no there's no uh, in terms of uh, uh, corporate boxes. There's nothing of that sort. So it's temporary. Uh, and then to me, the only Stade des Jardins as well in terms of press area. There isn't any aside from maybe the play-by-play. So there's uh, a there's the play-by-play box, but yeah. it is it is is it's quite small. Which and we were there um, during the Canadian Championship game between Oakville and Blainville. Um, it's and just, we were not the bleachers. Thank God it wasn't raining that day. But yeah. So when um, yeah, it's going to be very very interesting to see that. Um, I don't know. I look. I think they have to go temporary because. If if Alex Bunbury is very serious about it, he is um, he's on the phone right now, like in this very moment where we're, where we're talking to each other, he is uh, he's he's up there. And look, I can I think we could both uh, from the stuff that we've been hearing that people are interested in partnering with uh, Alex Bunbury, and that's if if you've been listening to. The entire podcast, that's the little uh, treat for the end that, I mean, we kind of understand that there are people that are interested in partnering with Alex Bunbury for this. People think that despite, and despite a lot of people on Twitter, despite a lot of people on the media saying that it'll never work because the impact is there, there is interest. Uh, It's more of a when than an if. Um. But what is the most interesting to me is how this will happen. Not if. How and given everything, like where, so so where is the the number one thing? But how is also very important. Um, Because if you, we all know in Quebec, um, the construction industry is... Uh, it's it needs a bit of work, you it's, know. It's horrible. Uh, so, to be able to have a thing for, to be able to have a kickoff, realistically in a year and a half, things are going to need to move quickly. I think maybe in the summertime is when we'll start seeing, you know, things kick into gear. If if this is something Bunbury is actively trying to pursue and trying to build as of now. I think in the summertime, if this is a serious thing, um, you know, that's when we'll start seeing stuff kick into gear. But again, yeah, like you said, construction in the city and in Quebec has been pretty bad. And let, pretty me throw, let me throw something at you real quick before we leave. Yeah. Um, what do you think of a team either playing at McGill or at Université de Montréal just as a temporary basis? I could see McGill. I could see McGill. It's um McGill has a so j- j- for our listeners that are that aren't in Montreal. 
McGill, the McGill Percival Molson Stadium is where the Montreal Alouettes play. So it's about um, it's it's just over twenty five thousand seats, which is a lot. Um, I'll say this: McGill, the Molson Stadium. Is, but it is a beautiful the, stadium. Yeah, Molson Percival Stadium is definitely one of my favorite. It's got you know, a, stadiums in the city. It's got a cachet. It's a very. It's an old-ish. Stadium. Have you ever walked on the field, like just after a game or anything? Um, yeah, yeah. I, just walking on that field is is. I don't know. There's just something special about it. It is. I, I love. I love being at that field. And I lo- I remember when I used to cover the Concordia Stingers back at the link. Um, yeah, the um, the Concordia Stingers soccer teams. Um, just walking on that field was probably one of my favorite parts. And yeah, I wish I covered more games at McGill. Actually, it is. It is a very fun experience. And one thing that you have on on top of the impact. Uh, from playing here is that you're 10 minutes from downtown whereas the impact which i don't think is much of a problem but you're in the east you're not downtown so that's one thing the 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 drawback from playing at percival molson stadium is that there is no parking spaces because you're essentially in the plateau Mont-Royal, which is uh, a very car hating district yeah that's the only thing right <laughs> it's yeah it's kind of inconvenient because it's it's also how many universities are just around the downtown area you know you have concordia that's a you know concordia is downtown montreal and, and uh, mcgill is i mean in in a district called the mcgill ghetto but it's yeah. it's essentially in downtown montreal so but i, I mean, can i could see why you 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 see that maybe as a as a temporary space as well because it be. it's it's already built it's already built stadium and so, it's a nice stadium so too. on the pros you got it's a ready built stadium it's in a very pretty location uh it's you don't necessarily well you're going and then the drawbacks is well you got the you got the football lines not a lot of parking space it's a giant stadium for a team that doesn't have a fan base yet and uh i mean you're going to have to pay um you're going to have to pay rent which like in any other stadium in laval you're probably going to have to pay rent as well unless you build your own and that's another possibility which if i'm being honest and that's my uh, my that's my uh just my proper opinion on this uh laval has uh an an american hockey league team it's the AHL affiliate for the Canadians called the Laval Rocket. And they play at Place Belle, which is a new, brand new, magnificent place. I've been there three times. Um, it's right off the metro, which uh, if you're not from Montreal, the metro is a subway. <laughs> I've heard I've people don't call it the metro in anywhere else in Montreal anyway. So it's... Right off of the uh, the fine the last su- subway station on the Orange Line, which brings you to Laval, and it's a very, I mean, it's not like the development the development didn't finish yet around Place Belle. If you're able to secure a place where you can put a soccer stadium right across from Place Belle, which that might be a tough task because there is a lot of condo development in the area. But if you 
manage to pull that off, you can essentially make a little sports complex and have um, have the rocket, have all of the uh, events. I mean, like there are like there's there's uh, a lot of shows. I mean, Pusha T played there, didn't he? Didn't he? At Place Bell, I. Th- I think he did, but I know ASAP Rocky is going to be there mid-January. So I mean, there there are high-profile concerts I, there. ZZ Top, I think, I believe, was there at one point. So I mean, yeah, they had they yeah. have some serious concerts going. So if you manage to have, Alt I don't know, J, sorry, I'm just all J, off. yeah, all J played there. So high-profile events. If you manage to add soccer to that, maybe you could pull it off and have something really cool going on. Yeah, I just think building a whole new stadium in an area of Laval that's already packed is a is a lot to ask. Although there is space around the area, I remember. But that is a long shot. I did say oh, that for off sure. the top. But where Place Bell used to, because Place Bell was a project that's been in the works for a number of years now before it was um, before it was finally built, and I remember the first spot they wanted to do, and I'm forgetting the area. Um, and they had dug the area and everything. They had dug the space, but then they just never used it. Um, it's actually uh, a few blocks away from the Montmorency metro station. Uh, and the area is there, and I believe it's right next to Saint-Martin where Centropolis is. And as soon as you exit Centropolis, it's just a street that you go down, and there's just this empty area where it's that just is, kind of used for where you know they dump the snow at the end of the season. That is a quite proper place to build something because if you're not from Laval, Centropolis is a is kind of like a little destination where a lot of people go shopping stuff. If you add, I don't know, if you add something there, but that's that's to me that's a long shot in terms of building your own stadium. Uh uh, to, to to my knowledge, only HFX have built. I mean, they're building on top of something that was already there in Wanderer Ground. However, if if Alex Bunbury ends up finding someone who wants to put their money where their mouth is, and tell the Impact, hey, look, we're here, and we're we're not we're not kidding around. That's not too bad. However. I mean, and it, Alex has been saying it on a bunch of different interviews. Stade des Jardins seems to be the place he's looking for. It's quite it's it's a it's it's a five minute walk, ten minute walk from uh, uh, the Cartier Metro Station. I've walked it because I uh, I covered the Montreal Open trials. Um, it's a very doable walk. Uh, it's also quite accessible. Uh, by by car, so not too bad of a location. He is going to have to add stuff. Yeah, we're going. It's to me if if Stade des Jardins ends up being the place, it's going to need to look like Wanderer Grounds. Like they're they're going to need to bring um, either uh, either permanent or semi permanent uh, stands. And in my mind, you need to have a proper press area. But, yeah, that's but that's because I'm a member of the press. No, for so. sure, and 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 that's a huge part. I think for now, if they can get a temporary space, or if they can manage to expand Stade des Jardins, um, if there, if he did choose to make a CPL team in Laval or in, in or in any other part of the Greater Montreal, 
Um, obviously, a temporary space is, I, I guess we're agreeing, is the ideal way to go. It seems like and, maybe it'll be that. And then the long term would be, you know, to build their own ground. I mean, if, to me, to me because having your own ground is is a proper thing to do. Yeah. However, there are a lot of things that, because, and that's something that we uh, we talked about uh, a few days ago, actually. Um, like, when are these CPL teams going to have their own academy? Uh, I think right now only Cavalry has something that resembles that. I think uh, FC Edmonton has that because they were a club before. Um, but yeah, it's <laughs> like there are a lot of things to think about and maybe a stadium isn't necessarily that um, before. Um, a, a thing to, to, to put on the forefront. Yeah. However, I mean, it's, it's, it's so, it's, it, would, it's, it would be so much nicer um, as a finished product, if all of those teams had their own place to play, and I think to to really bring it up to the impact, you're probably going to have to need that at some point. But you know, and um, to those who say that it'll never work, um, I mean, I don't know why. I don't get it. I feel I feel like if there was two teams in Montreal, that would be that'd be a lot better. Well, it's the Greater Montreal area, but yeah, yeah exactly, and. Um, and the po- potential of two Montreal teams maybe meeting in the Canadian Championship match. But that's the thing, right? So Montreal never had in any sport, um, they didn't have two teams playing the same sport in the same setting uh, since the Montreal Maroons playing the Canadians. Oh, how long ago was that? I mean, that was like so far was that in the ago, 60s right? or later oh no that was that was way that was, before that was a long time that was ago, way yeah. way way before and basically the maroons and the canadians were separated by language so it was i would love to see a team uh competing in not even a, regardless of the league right i mean we're not we're not saying that they're going to join mls right and we're not saying that the impact they're going to join the cpl in the next four or five years um however it would be so fun to see an actual derby in Thank the you. proper sense Thank of the you. word. I, that's and that's what I was going to bring up because that's proper football. And imagine a Montreal derby in a cup run. That would be absolutely crazy. Or even I mean, maybe like in an like if if a Greater Montreal team does get established and you know think of the think of what you could do in the off season and how you can market that as well, where you can have maybe. Uh, a Montreal versus Montreal friendly or a series in, in the summertime before the season kicks off. Because, I mean, if you know. I'm Alex Bunbury, what I'm thinking is we need to be the noisy neighbors. We need, we need to put, yeah. we need to put um, ads across the city saying, you know, like a bit like the, I think one of my favorite billboards of all time has to be the Carlos Tevez Welcome to Manchester one. Where they put one, I think it was next to, it was either next to or somewhat close to Old Trafford. Uh, and it was like, uh, Tevez with his arms wide open. And it was like, welcome to Manchester. I think there needs to be something. And then I think the best way to do that is to get an impact player and do the, the exact same thing. So yeah. either get, I don't know, like if 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 they would have done it now, uh, you Max know, have... Kipo have Crepeau. <laughs> yeah, you could have Max Crepeau. You could have, uh, well, I mean, now Crepeau's in Vancouver and we wish him the best of luck. That's another thing we missed, but anyways. Um, or have, I don't know, just, you have Laurent Simon. Yeah. You know, have him come back here 
uh, and then play play out the last maybe two years of his career and have you know welcome to Laval or bienvenue à Laval ou just have Lavalourien. There you go. <laughs> yes. No, that would be amazing. But to um, me, to me, that's what it would be. Yeah. And I would then, love to see. I want to see Montreal rivalry. I'm kind of getting tired of the the whole 401 derby. Well, it's first, not really a real derby, in my but that's opinion. It. It's not a derby, and to me, this rivalry, and uh, you, you'll maybe agree with us or not, but I, I don't like any of the names, any of the nicknames, except for one. I don't really like the, the, the Canadian Classico, because what about Vancouver? What about Ottawa? Um, I don't like the 401 derby, because the 401 does not extend to Quebec. It becomes the 40. Um I think to me it should be the two solitudes rivalry or the two solitudes game or whatever because it really is. I mean if you if you actually take a take a second and uh research what two solitudes is which is a is a re- re- resolution of mine. I don't really do resolutions but I do want to read two solitudes because I think it's a a very important thing for uh for uh, a francophone that lived in a in an English setup. I think it's very. It would be very important for me to read that, but uh, I think it really does. To that effect, really, uh, it really translate well to the impact versus TFC. TFC owned by this huge thing, MLSE, um, the, the 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 huge team. The the whole, they have so much money, and uh, you know they had they can afford having Giovinco, Altador, and Bradley on the same team, while the impact could barely afford having Ignacio Piatti. You know, and then, then they always look for um, a penny to save and some type of stuff. And they have to rely on a team in Italy to find players for them. You know, it's it's very, um, I like that thing. It's like, it, it to me, it, it, it's the closest thing MLS has to what's happening with Seattle and Portland. You know, like Seattle is that huge team that always is always going to win. They have the Seahawks money, whereas Portland... Um, you know, they do with what they can do and they have Diego Valeri, which is very reminiscent of Ignacio Piatti. And I don't know, they have their, their all little quirky things where like Seattle, uh, no, Portland uh, cuts um, cuts this huge log I and presents that. them to fans. Uh, we in Montreal have the bell, you know, like they have those quirky things and uh, and Toronto doesn't and Seattle doesn't, but they're so huge that it doesn't matter, you know. So it's it's a nice little quirky little uh, little rivalry. I think the two solitudes um, rivalry should be the name. I'm going to call it that. I'm going to call it that in 2019. So you've heard it now. You've heard it first here. Uh, every article I will write from here on out <laughs> will have the two the solitudes. Two rivalry. solitudes the rivalry or derby. Well, not derby because they're not in the same city. Oh, for the for the TFC and uh, to me a derby okay. a, a, to me a derby is is uh, the only derby in MLS the only derbies in MLS are in LA and in New York City. Yep. Uh, the the one one of it is the Hudson River Derby, which to me New York and Northern New Jersey is kind of like the same thing. It's metro. To me, it's the same city, like like Laval and Montreal. It's the Greater Montreal. Do you agree with me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah. so so it works to me. Yeah. So on that note, do we want to end on that? I mean, it's a little longer podcast. Oh, we, we it's definitely a lengthy podcast. It's um, a ninety minute one. It's a ninety minute one. 
You know what? Let's just end it there then. Now that you said that. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. Um, no, there's nothing really. Uh, it's been uh, the holiday season has been a busy season in terms of soccer news and what's been going on. And uh, oh, yeah. I know how to, I know where to end that. Uh, I want to wish the absolute best of luck in 2019 to Mark dos Santos and to Max Crippo in yes. Vancouver. Uh, Vancouver, uh, at least in the eastern part of Canada, seems to be ignored. We cannot ignore the Whitecaps this year. Uh, regardless of, of where they go and uh, what, they, uh, what, what wheeling and dealing they, they have for us, um, I really wish the best of luck to the Whitecaps this year. Um, it's it's going to be a very interesting uh, setup, and I'm so happy for Mark Dos Santos to finally get a job in MLS. Finally yeah. get a head coaching job. Yeah. So on that note, uh, Alex Perez, uh, happy new year, man. Yo, yeah, you too. Happy new year. Happy new year to, uh, to our listeners out there as well. And uh, yeah, all the best in 2019. We'll be back. We'll be back in 2019. We'll try and make another one while, while we're on break. Uh, maybe early 2019. What do you think? Oh, definitely. Okay, cool. Cool. So uh, I don't know what it'll talk about, but uh, maybe some resolutions. Maybe, Ooh, maybe maybe some maybe some soccer resolutions. Soccer resol- soccer goals. Soccer goals. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I'm not saying anything more. So uh, have a very happy new year. Um, try and spend some time with uh, friends and family. And uh, if if not, just you know try and uh, and have a good time um, reflecting and whatever. And uh, Let us come back even better than we were in 2019. So on those words, we'll hear you on next time. Excuse me for being excited, people.